Jamaican music producer Lee Scratch Perry has been hailed as one of the most important creative figures of the late 20th century. During a career that lasted over 60 years, Perry changed the way we think about recorded sound and the techniques he developed at his Black Ark studio are now widely celebrated by global practitioners. Hello, Georges Collinet with you on Afropop Worldwide from PRX. In today's program, we salute the innovations of Mr. Perry, who died in August 2021 at the ripe age of 85. Producer David Katz is Perry's authorized biographer, and he will be our guide, using archive interviews with Perry to illustrate a complex life with testimony delivered in a poetic and, let's say, non-standard language. Scratch Perry appointed me his ghostwriter in 1987 after reading an article I'd written pointing out that on the autobiographical Introducing Myself, he told Margaret Thatcher and the Queen of England to heed his message and stop doing wrong. Perry once claimed to come from Jupiter, but his earthbound arrival really happened in the rural hamlet of Kendall in Hanover, northwest Jamaica, where he was born Rainford Hugh Perry in 1936, the third of four children. Perry's father was a road contractor, the rest of the family worked the land, and life was invariably hard, especially after his father abandoned the family. My mother was living alone, having uh, four of us and no father. And uh, my mother used to be involved in farming, planting a whole yam, and certain times she go out to the estate where she lived on cut cane to make some money. And then sometimes, like my grandfather, her mother cut some cane to Fort Farm, I leave school. And when I leave school, I didn't even know what I go to school for. Because I didn't learn anything on the school myself. And a word for the wise here. Lee Scratch Perry is notoriously difficult to understand, and a poor phone connection doesn't help. So, if you can, visit afropop.org and read the transcript of this show as you listen. That way, you won't miss a word of Perry's mysterious wisdom. Otherwise, just enjoy the unique music of his speaking style. became a renowned champion at local domino tournaments. He said he could read the minds of his opponents. Working on a sugarcane plantation in distant Clarendon, 
Perry saved enough money to buy a bicycle that he used to travel to dance competitions. Along the way, he mastered wild and disjointed moves like the yank and the mashed potato. And you should have seen me dancing that mashed potato. New Orleans rhythm and blues was the mainstay of local sound systems, and Fats Domino's Going to the River was one of Perry's favorites. I would be the one to when the government earmarked the fishing village of Negril for tourism development, Perry bluffed his way onto a tractor, bulldozing roads and dynamiting rocks. He married a woman named Ruby in the town of Little London and was baptized into the Evangelical Church of God. But the marriage didn't last, and Perry alone traveled to Kingston in 1961 to try to make it in the music business, after being directed there by Divine Voices. Time comes when the Negril construction comes into farm and they were applying for people who can do tractor driving, and I applied to get a job. So me others be very lucky that me get onto things that we wish to do and is happening. For me. So we was working on, on the part of the construction, you know, building roads and all them things, moving rock and moving stone. And we did marry to a girl, an Indian girl, and her name is Ruby. And after it wasn't happening like how we expected, she said, So she's going to Montego Bay. So we come to Kingston because that's more of my destiny. Where destiny call her, you have to go. Should be mindful of You run for refuge And were rescued That's a fact Then why lie And try to bite The underfeeding Yes, the good you do Is after you Duke Reed had the biggest sound system on the island, and he was moving into record production. But Perry's approach didn't work out as planned. We never want to talk about it because it was ugly. One day we, uh, we go to Duke and say, in life, my songs them like rough and tough. If you go rough and tough and get a stranger called to sing. I'll uh, say, me can't sing on something like that. <laughs> a country boy can't sing. So we moved to Coxon. Clement Dodd, known as Sir Coxon, was Duke Reed's younger challenger. And Perry would work for him for the next five years. At the time, Dodd was making Studio One the premier home of the emerging ska movement. Perry wrote hits for singers like Delroy Wilson. He convinced Dodd to sign Toots and the Metals. He helped Jackie Me Too with musical arrangements and he also recorded dozens of his own songs, including the dance number Chicken Scratch, the first of many signature tunes. Chicken scratch. 
Much of Perry's vocal work at Studio One evidenced his countryside origins. You can hear it on songs like Hand to Hand with the Wailers on backing vocals. Man to man, hand to hand, we shall defeat them one by one. Oh, if they attack, you will get a shot. We shall defeat them one by one. But Perry tired of the paltry financial arrangements and lack of artistic credit at Studio One. He cut Give Me Justice with rival producer Sir JJ, just to voice his frustration with Dot. steady phase, during Perry's short-lived partnership with Joe Gibbs, I Am the Upsetter was also aimed at Dodd, and it became another signature tune. fell out over payment, Gibbs became the target of People Funny Boy, a landmark hit that helped birth the new reggae style in 1968. inspired by the music of a Pocomania church service. That's one of the African-derived Pentecostal churches in Jamaica, and the sound of a crying baby brought home the concept of the lyrics, with Gibbs reaping by the sweat of Perry's brow, the baby's cries lifted from a sound effects record that the engineer Linford Anderson introduced to Perry. We decided to make a song together, and they made people funny boy, and him find the rhythm with up the baby was crying. And so he wanted me to hear it. And the music is exactly look like what we're talking about. I be was hungry and I have no food or yard. I see the songs as in, in match with what goes on. 
Well, the hit reportedly sold 60,000 copies on release, allowing Perry to establish his upsetter record shop and label. B-sides were becoming all the rage in Jamaica, and Perry really excelled with instrumentals. In fact, when Perry's attempted cover of Fats Domino's Sick and Tired proved abortive, he released the rhythm track as the instrumental return of Django, which reached the British Top 10 in September 1969, following its use in a Cadbury's chocolate advertisement, bringing Perry and his Upsetters band to Britain on tour. produced a series of incredible hits with Bob Marley and the Whalers, the defiant Duppy Conqueror, one of the most impressive of their entire career. Marley lived for a long period in Perry's front room, the uncommon partnership completely restructuring the Whalers sound and preparing them for international stardom, as heard on other landmarks like Mr. Brown, Small Axe, 400 Years and Dreamland. So I did find a different outlet amongst the white people in America and in England. And um, that was the market Bob was looking for. Coxon was finished with him. He didn't have anywhere else to go. Well, he never didn't have anywhere actually proper to live. So he said, you can take me from you. So he become like my brother. And then like me, he want somebody to help me deliver some message. And I put all my energy into it for him to go run crap. When the Wellers broke away to form their own Tough Gong label, Stealing Perry's rhythm section in the process, Perry turned his attention to Junior Biles. He scored big with the Rastafari anthem Beat Down Babylon in 1972, punctuated by the sound of a cracking whip. I am I going with them wicked men? 
Lord God, Mastam, Mastam, Perry worked closely with King Tubby in the early 70s. They mixed B-sides at Tubby's home studio, helping to make dub an art form by using all sorts of remix tricks. Cow Thief Skank blended three of Perry's earlier recordings in a new song that dissed rival producer Niney the Observer on the dub B-side titled Seven and Three Quarter Skank. You can clearly hear a jigsaw. urge to experiment spurred Perry to open his own studio in late 1973, located on the grounds of his home in Washington Gardens on Kingston's western outskirts. It was first known as the Black Art Studio and later as the Black Ark, established as a sanctuary for Rastafari's Black Faithful. The Ark itself is like a hero using on some mystic and mystery of the prophecy about the Ark that saves some people. And at that time, I didn't feel life like I feel now. So I said, well, let the ark is this area, and the ark is this here, some people. Let it be black, and then make sure we're going to see all the people black. But then I never discovered that the white people were going to see me. Cadogan's Hurt So Good was the first hit to emerge from the Black Ark, reaching the UK top 10 in the spring of 1975. But because of a dubious sub-licensing deal, well, Perry did not reap what he should have from the hit, and neither did Cadogan. But Perry was able to upgrade his Ark with better equipment, including a Soundcraft mixing desk, Mutron Biface, and Roland Space Echo. All this attracted interest from Island Records. Is 
Romeo's War in a Babylon described Jamaica's volatile political situation, which often descended into violence as police, soldiers, and partisan vigilantes enacted fierce battles in the streets. Masterwork Super Ape featured input from the Heptones, Prince Jasbo, and other artists he was working with in 1976. The title referenced black identity and Rastafari consciousness. It also alluded to Perry's primordial simian alter ego. and thieves referenced the lethal animosity between the two, since both were seeking to rob ordinary Jamaicans, according to Perry. 
things like that, most time it come by the thing that is happening. At this mindset, you know, I don't know what happened on the street. The two police want to kill Kiefer, police and Kiefer to her and something like that. It starts in the ghetto. Then the police watch something and when the team discover a thief, thief it before they get to it. Become a... And he go back because the police want to teach it too. And they teach it before the police. And the police get real mad inside. And it's like they kill the teeth first. <laughs> the teeth decide to kill the police too. Perry said that he was particularly proud of the song, which became a hit on both sides of the Atlantic, memorably inspiring a punk cover version by The Clash. Speaking of punk, Barry demonstrated his allegiance to the form with Bob Marley's Punky Reggae Party. Perry tried to produce The Clash's complete control, but it didn't work out. And recordings that former Sex Pistol John Lydon made at the Black Ark were rejected due to inferior quality. working with the Congos Harmony Group on the first of many problematic projects. Their album Heart of the Congos is considered a masterpiece today, but Island rejected it as uncommercial during the late 1970s. Perry's album Roast Fish, Collyweed and Cornbread and Return of the Super Ape were shelved for similar reasons. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. 
fusion project recorded with Congolese musicians Seke Molenga and Kaloka Wongolo had all kinds of potential, but it was probably ahead of its time. The session became another Highland Records reject, possibly because of audible distortion on the master tape. Coming up, conflict at the Black Ark, a dramatic transformation, and further adventures in Barry's music and art. Hey, don't forget to visit afropop.org to see our playlist for this show and more on Lee Scratch Perry. I'm Georges Collinet, and you're listening to Afropop Worldwide from PRX. producer and biographer David Katz, tracing Lee Scratch Perry's unique musical evolution. In 1977 and 78, all is not well at his Black Ark studio. City Too Hot was the first release to show Perry feeling the strain, as various pressures came to bear. There was the never-ending workload, as sessions stretched throughout the night, the menacing presence of police, soldiers, and gang members, as Jamaica became increasingly volatile, and an overconsumption of ganja and white rum muddling Perry's mind. He had conflict with his peers over their dreadlocks, and his involvement with radical Rastafari subgroup, the Nyabingi Theocracy, turned sour. Then, his long-term partner, Pauline, with whom he had several children, ran off with one of the singers he'd been working with. Who 
called The Game and I Know a Place were the last songs Bob Marley recorded with Perry, but conflict over small change for a car part caused a rupture that would never be repaired. Michael and the Sons of Negus's Love Thy Neighbor was one of the last albums recorded at the Black Ark. Barry shut the studio doors in January 1979, banishing all outsiders. Around that time, Barry's dramatic new persona as Pipecock Jackson emerged, producing more cryptic graffiti than music. equipment was malfunctioning. When American expatriates based in Amsterdam approached Perry about back catalog reissues, they began refurbishing the space to Perry's specification, recording the return of Pipecock Jackson between the wreckage of the Ark and Amsterdam. A new drum booth was built above a pond for water birds and a top-of-the-range mixing desk was installed. But when the new equipment failed to work, Perry trashed the space and closed its doors once more. Do him the church without the earth above the waters, yeah. Do him that make red light for his mercy and it forever and ever and ever, yeah. 
What are you doing? What are you doing? This is white smoke signal. The life of the cloud speaking. Smokey Joe. Joseph. The hammer. <laughs> Introducing myself. Sometime in New York in the early 1980s, working with white reggae band The Terrorists. Hold them here and you hold them there and you hold them all about. State band The Majestics traveled to Jamaica to record the Mystic Miracle Star LP, working at Dynamics and Aquarius since the Black Ark was no longer functional. And shortly after they left Jamaica, there was a fire that destroyed the Ark's control room. Perry said he burned the studio to remove the negative energy that had contaminated it. I know all the energy that was happening, low flying coming from there, from the Black Ark. I know when I started this business, I didn't go to no other man to start. So I think why not? So that is it. We said to burn it and see what happened. And there's been speculation on Perry's sanity ever since. All my hands still mad. We still mad. Everything mad when burn only the studio in the world. Without the Ark to anchor him, Perry became a wandering nomad. Chris Blackwell of Island Records brought him to the Bahamas to record History, Mystery, Prophecy, an uneasy blend of reggae, rap, and new wave. The album was released in 1984, just as Perry relocated to London. Judgment in a Babylon was the first song to surface after the move. Voiced at Mad Professor's Ariwa studio, using a rhythm built in Jamaica at Music Mountain, it was aimed squarely at Chris Blackwell's head. Chris Blackwell is a vampire. A vampire. Sucking the 
said they enjoyed a very special friendship and acknowledged that Blackwell was an important catalyst in the spread of reggae music worldwide. Chris was like a wonderful friend without business. And she needed music. He was hypnotized and think his magic. It was his desire and wanted to meet me and do things to me like get me anything we need and things like that. So me and him was different. It's just to me like this is just let me talk those things about him because something never rise and we never like what it was and say, okay, go upset him and say him take it. <laughs> well what I'm doing me and him is what to be so and we can't feel without him breaking we could never reach that far with him. Put a lot of stuff effort into it. Nobody couldn't try with Bob and him reach so far neither. Once again, if you're having trouble understanding Perry's words, you can read a complete transcript of this program at afropop.org. On I'm a Madman, Barry embraced the idea that he was crazy, using his individualism to challenge negativity. Five years ago, Perry continued to profess insanity, the result of too many record company ripoffs. The song surfaced on the first of many albums recorded with Matt Professor, Perry's frequent touring partner. And the water they piss. 21 years ago, I've been working night and day. Things have nothing to show. Because the wicked take it away In the 1980s, Perry made a strong connection with the inventive English producer Adrian Sherwood, the bond a lasting one that resulted in some of his greatest post-arc work. He's such a smart fellow. Him, white, but he didn't think black. 
So I'm not choose good minded people to work with. I'm people with scientific mind, scientific brain, educational brain, arts and craft. Hello. Hello. on the water sex communicator from the grill after experiencing visa problems in britain Perry returned to Jamaica and then moved to Switzerland after beginning a relationship with a woman named Mireille, who he would marry at a Hare Krishna temple. They began a family and would remain together to the end of his days, the song Sexy Boss celebrating their union. Merlin Production Company Blackhawk International Branch Present Half in going around Have you seen Mr. Brown? In the late 90s, a collaboration with the Beastie Boys, titled Dr. Lee PhD, introduced Perry's work to a whole new audience. Perry was soon in demand as a live performer, and he went on to collaborate with a range of artists in other genres, including The Orb, Keith Richards, and George Clinton. with upcoming British producer Daniel Boyle in 2012, cutting a competent series of releases with similar gear to that used at the Black Ark, beginning with the album Back on the Controls.
with the Austrian dub crew, Double Standard, and that led to his collaboration with New York's Subatomic Sound System. Subatomic became Perry's official US backing band, and they started reworking his back catalog, creating new interpretations aimed at a younger audience. Between Jamaica and Switzerland, and often on far-flung tours, Perry recorded with all and sundry, yielding mixed results. But his work with Adrian Sherwood continued to bear the hallmark of quality. Heavy Rain, the dub companion to the Rainford album, hit number one on the Billboard album charts in 2019.
During one of our last formal interviews, Perry said that he was delighted to know that his work had a positive influence on much of his audience. Well, I'm going to live to see some other people who take my word how far I'm reaching life. I don't make me feel very happy because I don't follow my education. And my education becomes the education. And my education didn't come from the school, it comes from nature. And the earth is wind and fire. And you tell the children of people and polite and they make some way and make some happy and heal some heart and heal some brain. So I have more reason to live. Hello, 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 hello. This is my undead biography prophecy. This is my undead biography and prophecy. I was born in Jamaica. Born in Hanover. Can't be of March 1936. Lee Scratch Perry left our earthly domain on August 28, 2021, and there is no doubt that his legacy is assured. You can hear echoes of his innovative production techniques in rap music, jungle and dubstep, in ambient instrumentals and various forms of electronic dance music, as well as in post-punk and experimental jazz. To learn more about the life and work of this incomparable figure, you'll want to read David Katz's authorized biography, People Funny Boy, The Genius of Lee Scratch Perry, published by White Rabbit Books. Funding for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Arts, which believes a great nation deserves great art, and PRX affiliate stations around the US. And now, more than ever, thank you for supporting your public radio station. And don't forget to visit afropop.org for more information on reggae and dub, including earlier programs, Ring the Alarm, a history of sound system culture. State of Emergency, reggae reflections on Jamaica's partisan politics. And The Gorgon, the originator and the dub master, saluting Bunny Lee, Uroy and King Tubby. You can also find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at AfropopWW. And don't forget to sign up for our weekly e-newsletter. My Afropop partner is Sean Barlow. Sean produces our program for World Music Productions. Research and production for this program by David Katz. And don't forget to join us next week for another edition of Afropop Worldwide. Our chief audio engineer is Michael Jones. Benning Air and C.C. Smith edit our website, afropop.org. Our director of new media is Ben Richmond. And I'm Georges Collinet. I move Coxon, I move Music City, and I move Duke Green. Bob Marley come to me and say, my cup is overflowed. My cup is overflowed.